Welcome back, everybody. That was uh, the news and sport with Tracy. We are, and we are into our encounter with God section. But before we get into that, we are going to have a question of the day. No, we're not. We're going to have question a of the quiz. Day. Quiz of the day. What am I saying? <laughs> Welcome back, Lyle. They both start Lyle. with Q. They both start with Q, right? Welcome back, listeners, and welcome back, Lyle, to your show. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm going to give you a quiz clue. Uh, so, who am I quiz? And now, third clue is, I told a group of sailors to throw me overboard. Yeah, okay, that kind of gives it's it away. Not something you'd usually tell some sailors to do, but this person wanted to be chucked overboard and they got chucked overboard. Uh, they wanted to swim. Mm. Give us a call if you know who that is. 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. And, uh, La, we just want to remind our listeners of a wonderful Christmas celebration that we have for free uh, coming up. Um, is it like next week? No, 10 days, 22nd of December. 10 days, 10 yeah, days yeah, from now. Yeah. So start planning right now. Put it in your calendar. Put an alarm on it. Make mm-hmm. sure you uh, do not miss this under any circumstances whatsoever at all. This will be an opportunity of a lifetime. Yeah, so if you like going to things like you know those the carols that people go to, carols by candlelight, that kind of thing, uh, this is a wonderful one. It's family friendly. You're really going to enjoy that. It's called the Let Us Adore Him Christmas Celebration Service. Uh, it's from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. on the 22nd of December, which is in 10 days. Uh, it's at the Maitland SDA Church uh, that's hosting it. It's at 72 Brunswick Street in East Maitland. Well, this won't make any difference. Once you get there, you can't miss it. <laughs> and uh, it's, it is free entry, mm-hmm. um, so don't stress about that. There's going to be Christmas songs and carols. Um, there's a selection of singers going to be there. Uh, Stones of Eden, we just had one of those songs playing on the we show. Did. We did. Dr. Soyan Easton, she has a PhD in playing the violin. That's how good she is. And uh, she's we've she interviewed her here. Good. She Yeah, uh, one of the few people who's been able to move me to tears with violin playing because I'm not a huge violin fan. Mm-hmm. And um, but her playing, I was just, I started crying. It was really beautiful. Uh, anyway, she played that song. Um, That's for a hard bitten German like you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> for a cold stony German. <laughs> uh, Germany has. <laughs> a long history of amazing violinists. Yes, yeah, and yeah, along with must Korea. have touched in my heritage back there somewhere in the recesses of my psyche. Anyway, Some DNA floating <laughs> around there somewhere. Uh, so yeah, come along here. Her. We also have the Maitland uh, men's group and the Maitland ladies group. So yeah, both genders going to have their little groups. Um, and then of course, there's a special Christmas message presented by our very own Faith FM breakfast host Lyle Southwell. So yeah, it's promising to be a, a, a beautiful day. Um, and I think it's going to have a good focus on the real meaning of Christmas. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get away from all of the commercialism and let's focus on Jesus Christ yeah. for today. Yeah. So a bit, of a, a bit of a reset, but also something that you can bring your entire family to. It's a free event. If you're looking for something to make Christmas special this year, we recommend that you come to Let Us Adore Him, the Christmas celebration service at Maitland Church uh, on the 22nd of December. It starts at 10 a.m. Um, of course, if you want more details, you can call us here. Our number is 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's one 800 24843. However, I have taken a uh, picture of the flyer that we have, the poster, and I have stuck it on all our social medias. So if you want to go through. Just take a photo of that one because that one's kind of crumpled. No, well, yeah, I took a picture of this one before it got crumpled. Did, did, did you put that? Did you screw that up and put it in your pocket? 
No, it's been in my handbag. Did you drag it out of the rubbish bin? It's been in a woman's handbag, and it is a miracle miracle that anything survives <laughs> a journey through a woman's handbag, Lyle. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> no one is going to dispute that statement this morning. <laughs> it's like coming back from a black hole, because that's what handbags are. They're black holes. We all carry little galaxies under our arm, Lyle. <laughs> of course, we want to remind you that we are going to Africa! Very excited about this. The breakfast show next year... Um, very early next year, so really just around the corner, uh, Lyle and I will be going on mission trips to Africa, uh, Kenya, Ethiopia, South Africa. It's all going down over there. Lyle will be preaching a campaign in Ethiopia. I will be working at a pop-up medical clinic in Kenya, various locations in Kenya. I'm really excited because, um, Lyle, you've seen the BBC documentary Human Planet. Mm-hmm. It's been one of their most um, successful documentary series to date, and uh, and one of the it's a human planet. It goes around and it films, it documents different cultures of people, not so much animals or, or birds or that kind of thing, but people. And one of the groups of people that they that they film is um, a a a group of people who live on a rubbish dump in Kenya. They live uh-huh. on a rubbish dump. Yep. They you know they get married, they have kids, they raise families, you know. Whole circle of life right there, entire thing done on a rubbish dump. Um, they scavenge to survive. This is not this is not a rare thing in developing countries. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's, a, it's actually a really heartbreaking. Of, of all the different cultures that they document, it's probably the most heartbreaking one to watch. You know, even Australia's closest neighbour mm-hmm. has, hu- has huge rubbish dump uh, communities. Um, you know, Papua New Guinea is only four kilometres from uh, the, stra- the closest Australian island, mm-hmm. and uh, they have huge rubbish dump communities living up there. Yeah, it's it is. Uh, I mean, and you see in this documentary, like the the dump trucks turn up to you know offload their their um the rubbish that they've collected from the cities, and the people living on these dumps run towards the trucks and try and like jostle for position to just, to get the good stuff, so to speak. And it, it, yeah, it really broke my heart watching it. But then I discovered that um, our, our medical clinic, it's like a roving medical clinic that just moves from location to location for three weeks. Um, one of the locations we're going to is this exact same rubbish dump that was filmed on BBC. Mm. And so we'll be providing free medical aid to these very people that we saw on the screen. So I'm just beside myself excited about this, that I actually get to go there and roll up my sleeves and help. Um, if you would like to help, we are looking for donations. We want to be very clear and very transparent in telling you that 100% of your donations will be going to purchase medical supplies. Everything else has been paid for. Um, all the volunteers, you know, we, we, everyone's paid for their, their own way. Uh, and the money that we're raising is, is purely for medical aid. So we need uh, supplies, you know, spectacles, um, medicines, all this kind of stuff that we'll be purchasing um, to give to the people for free. So if you'd like to donate, give us a call here, 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. Or you can just go straight to their website. It's kenyahealth.org. At the top of the page, you'll see a donate tab and you can get yourself a tax deductible receipt through there. Lyle. Yes. Encounter with God. Encounter with God. I was going to say, are we ever going to get there? Yeah, sorry. I'm so excited about everything that's happening. It's December. It's the crazy, busy month of the year. It's just, uh, Mm -hmm. it's ridiculously crazy. And it's like, how do we um, find time to squeeze everything into the breakfast show? Let's go to Daniel chapter three. Man, I am never going to get this book right. It's been like months since I've had the book. (laughs) Where did you go this morning? This morning I was in waiting, waiting in Revelation. I was. Well, Daniel's kind of close to Revelation. It is. Related. Not geographically. Mm, not geographically. No, but um, 
um, yeah, biblically, they, they're, they're, they're twins. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Almost twins. They're, they're non-identical twins, but they are twins. <laughs> okay. They come out of the same womb, the same... If you're wondering what we're talking about, before we start Encounter with God, I always try and open my Bible and guess which book Lyle's going to go to first. I almost never get it right. <laughs> You do know there's this thing called a study guide that I try not to cheat. I try not people from around the world, you know, um, all study the same chapter of the Bible together, and so there is a guide that tells you what chapter to go to. Yeah, but we're not always on topic. Okay. Anyway, (laughs) we are on topic today because we are talking about Daniel chapter three today. We probably will get slightly off topic as we work our way through Daniel chapter three because Daniel. That's right, and this is you know Daniel is my favourite book in the Bible along with Revelation, so. Um, how could we not get off topic? Mm-hmm. Okay, so Daniel chapter 3. Mon, why don't you read us the uh, first few verses there? King Nebuchadnezzar set up a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide and set it up on the American plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. 30 meters. Uh, was, no, it says, yeah, exactly. 27 meters tall and 2.7 meters wide. So, yeah, 30 by 3 meters. Yeah, yeah. So that's, 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 that's decent. That's huge. Mm-hmm. It's huge. Yes, really massive. Uh, um, then he sent messengers uh, to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. So all of these officials came and stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald shouted out, People of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, thither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Okay, so here the issue is worship and worship being enforced. And we've been talking about religious liberty. This is the opposite of religious liberty. This is religious liberty being taken away. And the threat of death being brought against anybody who does not worship according to the king's command. It's kind of scary. This guy's totally despotic. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so what we have to ask ourselves then is, you know, what's the background of this? Why does why does Nebuchadnezzar go down this particular path? Doesn't he know it's going to cause problems in his empire? Um, what 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 is he trying to solve by this particular uh, occasion? And to understand that, we need to understand Daniel chapter 2. So let's, we'll run through Daniel chapter 2 very quickly, get a little bit of context. In Daniel chapter 2, what happens is that God comes to Nebuchadnezzar and God gives Nebuchadnezzar a prophecy. I love this chapter. So this is one of the very few uh, times in the Bible where God gives a non-Hebrew person a prophecy. Uh, One of the very few times in the Bible when God gives a prophecy to somebody who does not worship him. Nebuchadnezzar was not a worshipper of Yahweh. He was a worshipper of Bel and Marduk and other Babylonian gods. And so God comes to Nebuchadnezzar. God gives him a prophecy, a prophecy that spans two and a half thousand years, a prophecy that is affecting our world today, a prophecy that is being fulfilled in front of us as we watch the Brexit um, events taking place. 
and it is a one of the most uh, significant prophecies in the Bible because it's often called the ABC of Bible prophecy. Within this prophecy, it is a symbolic prophecy. It is the prophecy of a is a vision of a large image, a metallic image, made out of a number of different metals: the head of gold, the chest of silver, the thighs of brass, the legs of iron, and the feet a mixture of iron and clay. Daniel then comes in and Daniel gives the explanation of what the prophecy is. He says, the head of gold, Nebuchadnezzar, that symbolizes you and your empire. The chest of silver symbolizes the empire that will come after you. Not as wealthy, but stronger. And then the one of brass symbolizes the next empire that will conquer the previous one. We know from history that the Persians conquered the Babylonians and the Greeks conquered the Persians under Alexander the Great. Then he talks about the fourth one, which is you know the legs. The legs are very long. They're made out of iron. Uh, and he talks about the um, Roman Empire that would be established by Julius Caesar would last three times longer and cover three times more territory than any of the previous empires. Then he continues on to say that after that, the empire would be broken up and it would never ever be reunited again. And from the day that the Roman Empire fell apart, there has been a continual effort to reunite that empire back together again. And Brexit is another example of that empire falling apart and not being able to maintain any form of cohesion. So there's a brief summary of Daniel chapter 2. There is a lot more detail there, but the significant thing is that in two and a half thousand years, despite continual effort, there has never been a generation that has not lived under an attempt to reunite the Roman Empire. It has never, ever taken place, and the prophecy has never, ever failed. Of course, the last part of the prophecy is the return of Jesus Christ. Now, for Nebuchadnezzar, the problem for Nebuchadnezzar was that This prophecy was answered in a way that was supernatural and in a way that was very, very public. You see, he received this dream, this vision, this prophecy. He couldn't remember what it was the next day. He called in his counselors. He asked them to explain to him the meaning of the dream. They were ready to come up with a meaning. When he informed them that he had forgotten the dream, they needed to tell him both what he had dreamed along with the meaning. They were unable to do so. He condemned them to death. Daniel, who was a student at the time, came in and said, there's a God in heaven who can answer the king's dream. Give us time and we will find the answer. God will find the answer. God gave the answer along with the dream to Daniel. And so Daniel comes in the next day and he says, okay, the other night this is what you dreamed. Now, I don't know about you, Mon, but if I'd have forgotten what I dreamed the other night and somebody started to tell me you dreamed this the other night, that would catch my attention. Oh, very impressive. Very impressed I would be. Now, at this time... Nebuchadnezzar's entire cabinet has been imprisoned and is under the death sentence. They get off scot-free because of what Daniel does and how Daniel explains this vision. So this is extremely public. This is the kind of event that is going to spread from one side of the empire to the other faster than if Twitter had been invented. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows about it. The problem for Nebuchadnezzar is that he is trying to hold together this massive empire where there is constantly somebody somewhere online who wants to revolt against him. And this particular dream has said that there is going to be someone, it hasn't yet named it, that it's not named until you get to chapter 8, 
um, someone is going to conquer the Babylonian Empire of Nebuchadnezzar. It must be a very uh, flattering but also disturbing dream to be told, you are the golden head of Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, that'd be exciting. And then P.S., another kingdom's coming that's going to take over. Yes. <laughs> yeah, not so exciting. And of course, that's encouraging for everyone who wants to raise insurrection against Nebuchadnezzar. That's right. They can all stand up and say, hey, I am the fulfillment of, of the prophecy. prophecy yeah, yeah. You need to follow me. And there were a number of people who did. I am the one. <laughs> one of Nebuchadnezzar's generals tried it, and he uh, he came so close, close that Nebuchadnezzar um, himself had to get down from his chariot and fight hand-to-hand in the battle that followed. Ooh la la. Oh, yeah, it was a close-fought thing. And you can imagine that um, they were gaining their political strength, their political you know, arguments. They would not have failed to use Daniel's dream. So Nebuchadnezzar needs to do something about it. He needs to stabilize his empire. He needs to put to rest the rumors that are going around that he's going to be replaced. And so he decides that he's going to make his own image. He's going to make a very, very public statement about it. And this image is going to be built in defiance of Yahweh who gave the first dream. And so he builds an image. It's made entirely from gold. <laughs> what message is Nebuchadnezzar sending? I'm going to live forever. My and my empire going rain, is yeah. going to last forever. He's such a despot. Oh, he w- Nebuchadnezzar was a total psychopath. Mm. When you read his story, he was a psychopath. And he was somebody who gave his life to Christ. Um, Amazing story comes at the end of his life. Uh, We're not going to get into that in this particular story about worship. So then having built this image that is solid gold, it is 90 feet, 30 meters tall. That is impressive by anyone's standard. He then invites everyone who is anyone to come and to basically... Um, recommit their allegiance to Nebuchadnezzar and demonstrate that allegiance by worshipping the new god that Nebuchadnezzar is in the process of launching. And so he has a launch. He has a very public launch. He, he's got everybody there and it's like, okay, when you hear the music, this is what you're going to do. You're all going to fall down and, and worship this golden image. And anybody who doesn't do that, uh, yeah, I'm going to throw them into a burning fiery furnace. You can imagine that to smelt that much gold, you're going to have to have some large furnaces and they were probably just you know there. It's like, oh, this is great. It's very, very uh, 007-ish. <laughs> it is, you know, the bad guy always comes up with creative ways of killing people, and yeah. you know, and it's like, yeah, I'll th- I-, I won't cut off their heads. No, that's that's boring. I'll throw them into the furnace over there. Why yeah, not? That's uh-huh. way more fun mm-hmm. and exciting. He's got massive furnaces there. Maybe he even built them just for the occasion. Who knows? We don't know. However, we do know that in that audience, where everyone of significance had gathered together. There were three young men who decided not to bow down and worship. It's it's you know it's sad to think of the percentage there must have been out of all those thousands of people. Just three yeah, how many boys. how many Jewish people were there? How many followers of Yahweh were there? You know, it'd be very very unlikely if Zedekiah was not there. You know, because everyone, every, all the rulers of all the provinces were there, and he was a ruler of the province of Judah at that particular time. Mm-hmm. So Zedekiah would have been there. Just bowing down, worshipping the golden image, along with however many other worshippers of Yahweh. Trying to keep his head on and out of the furnace. Absolutely. Just compromising to the max. And these three guys, they're like, no, we're not going to do so. Let's read on, Mon. Let's see what happens. 
Then a herald shouted, oh, sorry. So at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bowed to the ground and worshipped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, Long live the king. You issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they heard the sound of the musical instruments. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you have set up. Okay, so there's a... Uh, tattletale. But you can understand why. In the King James Version, it says that the men who were tattletaling were Chaldeans. That means they were a part of Nebuchadnezzar's family and they had been overlooked because the Jews were running the province of Babylon. This is Keith and Kristen Getty. We'll be back in just a moment to continue the story. My worth is not in what I own Not in the strength of flesh and bone But in the costly wounds of love at the cross My worth is not in skill or name In win or lose, in pride or shame But in the blood of Christ that flows
Listening to Keith and Kristen Getty, my worth is not in what I own. Very powerful message there uh, in song today. Mine, we've got another clue yet for our quiz. Yes, who am I? The Lord commanded me to go and preach against the city of Nineveh. Mm, Nineveh, famous because of this prophet, basically. Indeed. Yeah. If you know who that is, give us a call here, 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. A prophet who went to Nineveh, who got thrown overboard. Who could that be? Mm, who could that You've be? You've been thrown overboard, Mon? Uh, no. You've never been thrown overboard? I mean, not in a serious situation like he no, was. not in a serious one. I'm, just- oh, I'm sure I've been chucked out of a canoe at summer camp or something like that, but not like really to my memory. Hmm. There you go. I don't think have I you been chucked been. overboard? I don't think I have. Jumped overboard plenty of times. Oh, I yeah, yeah, I've yeah. been chucked overboard. Yeah, I mean, we have plenty of King of the Castle competitions on the pontoon or something like that, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not in the middle of a storm either. No, no, no. Or in the middle of the Mediterranean. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> oh, I have jumped overboard in the Mediterranean. Oh, have you now? Uh, many times. Ah, uh, yes. I think I remember that. Yes, many times. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so where are we? We are talking about... Um, the Chaldeans who went tattletale. Yeah, let's, let's, let's keep reading. Let's read some more. Okay. Let's see what happens. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you if you refuse, you'll be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Okay, so here Nebuchadnezzar is making a very public statement. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is somebody who has conquered all of the nations around him and demonstrate that he demonstrated in his mind that his gods are more powerful than any of those gods. One of those nations is Judah, and in his mind that means that his gods are more powerful than Yahweh. Yahweh in his mind is a defeated god, so why should he be afraid of Yahweh? Mm-hmm. This is part of the reason why he has felt confident to defy Yahweh by building an image that is solid gold. Uh, he had previously been given a, a vision of an image that was made of Various metals, gold, silver, brass, iron, and clay. 
He defies Yahweh and says, no, my empire will last forever. Yahweh's prophecy will not come to pass. Why should I worry about Yahweh? That is a defeated God. And so now I can build this image and I can destroy anybody who refuses to worship it because my gods are clearly stronger. He's very confident right here. And what he's doing is a very public um, demonstration of if you're going to raise rebellion against me, don't go inside with Yahweh. Yahweh is not going to help you in a rebellion against me because my gods are more powerful. This is this is a war of the gods right here. This is this is the great controversy being played out in front of humanity. This guy's a bit of a fool. Like you have to admit, right? I mean, even these Chaldeans that tattletailed on them, these Chaldeans, their lives were just saved because Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and and Daniel knelt down Short and memories. prayed to Yahweh and got the got the d- the dream interpreted, saved the lives of all the condemned Chaldeans. So they've just been saved. Their lives have been spared because of what these guys did. Now they're tattletailing on them to have them condemned to death. And Nebuchadnezzar is like saying, do you know what? Your God isn't so big. He isn't so strong. I'm going to go up against him, even though he just was given an interpretation of a dream from this God. <laughs> like the only reason he has this gold statue to go on is because this God interpreted his dream for him. Like it's just... Really short memories, goldfish memories. Goldfish memory and also inspired by jealousy. Yeah, yeah. They're Nebuchadnezzar's family. They're Chaldeans. Mm-hmm. They're like, why aren't we in power? Why have you put Jewish slaves in power? You know, these are, these are just, they've been dragged out here. As, why, why weren't they just publicly executed? Why have you placed them in power, you know? And it, uh, it all combines together to create a very, very toxic situation in which they're like, no, we're going to... Uh, um, it, it just, but it still boggles my mind that Nebuchadnezzar doesn't realize he's flying in the face of the god who just gave him this vision. Keep reading, see yeah. what happens. Okay, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, "O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your Majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your Majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up." Okay, keep reading. Wow. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with the with the with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. I think he was a little bit scared as well. Mm-hmm. He had come up against Yahweh before, he knew the power of Yahweh. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. And the hotter he makes that furnace and the more powerful the men that he uses, the more power he ends up ascribing to Yahweh and demonstrating that Yahweh has. That's true. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully clothed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king, in his anger, had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. Okay, so this was no um, fire walking trick. No. This was not a bed of hot coals. No. There was so much radiant heat. You know, most, most people who die in fire die from smoke inhalation. These men died from radiant heat. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring, roaring flames. But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, Didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men, unbound, walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, The King James Version says, the Son of God. Yeah, that's true. 
The, then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. It's a bit of a change of tune. <laughs> oh, yeah, God. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. He's suddenly become very, very polite to God, hasn't uh-huh. he? It's so much He's the like, most high, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is Yahweh. I'm not going to mess around right now. <laughs> I have seen the power. It has been demonstrated, and he has come to his senses, and he's like, yes, okay, all right. And I am looking at the son of the most high God right here, right in front of me. That's Jesus Christ. You know, how many people ever got to get to see Jesus Christ outside of his time, you know, living here as a human being here on earth? Not many mm, people, you know, Abraham, right, yeah. Nebuchadnezzar, uh, the three worthies, not many at all. So the three men stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay, whoa, 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 stop right there, stop right there. Think about this scene. You've got a great golden image that is being dedicated. That would be awe-inspiring. Yes. 30 metres tall. It would catch everybody's attention. Everyone from the entire world who is important is there, present on this great day, auspicious day. Their focus is on the image. The command to worship the image is given. They all fall down and, and worship the image. And then there's three men who don't. And they are now up for execution. Now where is everybody's attention? On the execution. On the execution. Yeah, it's one of those kind of things where you don't want to see it, but you can't not see it. You can't drag your eyes away from it. You know that everybody at this moment has forgotten the image. They're focused on the execution. Then Nebuchadnezzar makes the execution, you know, the, the, the furnace seven times hotter than it had ever been made before, and it's so hot that it kills the men who throw these three guys into it, and then they are miraculously saved from the fire, and Jesus Christ himself appears right there with them, and then they come out, and there's no smoke on them, there's no... Not even the smell of, not even a hair of their head is singed. What is the story that they are taking home as they go back to the various parts of the world? That's the story of what Jesus Christ did for those who are faithful to him.
Lord of our shame, Lord of our sinful hearts, He is our great Redeemer. Sing to Jesus, honor His name. Welcome back to Faith FM. I'm about to hit you with the last clue for our breakfast Bible quiz. Who am I? I was swallowed by a great fish. Colloquially <laughs> known as a whale, but might not have been a whale, but definitely been swallowed by a great fish. Who in the Bible was swallowed by a big old fish? I think whales are the only fish out there that it is possible to be swallowed by and still live. Yeah, I think that's why we assume that it's a, it's, it doesn't mention it specifically, but that's what we assume. That's, that's why we have the assumption. And whales were called fish in those days. They were not known to be mammals. That's a recent discovery. Indeed. Lyle, time for our kind of controversial question oh, yeah, of the day. Oh, yeah, been copying some heat over this one. <laughs> Social media's been blowing up. It's so funny what really tickles people's goats, hey? Tis indeed. Tis indeed. <laughs> okay, Lyle, the question of the day. Should Christians use Christmas trees? Okay, that's a very, very good question. And it goes right along with another question. Should a Christian have a cross on their church? What? Really? Yeah, absolutely. What? These questions are related to each other. They are? Absolutely. And the reason being is that the Christmas tree and the cross are both uh, symbols that are deeply rooted in paganism. (gasps) What? Yes. I never... Uh, the cross was a, uh, a very, very ancient symbol going all the way back to the time of Nimrod, uh, just after the flood. It um, it may even have predated the flood in, is, is used as a symbol. We don't know. But it symbolized the balance of the universe, the yin and the yang, so to speak, the vertical and the horizontal planes, the male and the female uh, coming together um, to create, you know, the sun and the earth, um, you know, black and white, up and down, good and bad, all of these things being kept in balance. This is a very, very pagan concept. And one that is, you know, often promoted within New Age uh, communities today. And so the question is, well, then why do we have a cross? And, of course, the reason that we have a cross is because that symbol does not mean what it once used to mean. Mm. That then raises another very important question. If something has a pagan origin, does that automatically mean that it is innately pagan today? 
So the Christmas tree very, very clearly has a pagan origin. You know, the uh, the evergreen tree that would be used in the northern hemisphere, a symbol of life, because all the other trees died during winter, and of course this one would stay alive during winter. And it was a you know a symbol of, they, of like, life being preserved. Did the Druids used to worship it or something? Many people worshipped it. You can find the sacred tree going back through lots oh, of different cultures. Okay. You can even find it back in Babylon and places like that as well. So it's a very, very ancient pagan symbol. Deeply rooted in Christmas. December 25 is the birthday of Tammuz. Um, you know, an ancient god uh, from from you know going once again back to ancient Babylon, and so these are all symbols that were deeply rooted in paganism, but have now become symbols of Christianity. Does that then mean that they carry their pagan meaning with them? The Bible gives a very important example of how we should deal with situations where there is a pagan origin. And whether or not that pagan origin carries forward and has pagan meaning to the Christian. And Paul gives this example in 1 Corinthians. Um, You'll find it there in chapter 8 where he talks about food that is offered to idols. And so within this chapter, you find that Paul's like, you know, when it comes to food, and just explain what was happening here, they would um, they would slaughter the animal in a certain way, they would offer it to the gods, um, the, it would be dedicated to the gods, and then it would be resold to the people. So when the people ate that food, they could take in and absorb the power of those gods. It was, you know, the concept of eating the god. And so uh, this was the situation, that food, you know, it was it was expensive. It was always first grade food, the highest quality, but you pray, paid a premium for it. And so, when a lot of pagans became Christians, they stopped eating that food. They would only eat second grade food uh, because you know that was their 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 pagan past. They didn't want to have anything to do with it. Paul would eat whatever was good. If it was good food, he's like, yeah, I'm going to buy that. I'm going to eat it. Uh, because he's like, it has nothing to do with, you know, the, the Satan himself does not inhabit that food. He does not inhabit that tree. He does not inhabit that, you know, whatever else it might be. Satan is a spirit being who lives in the spirit world, and uh, it's just food. You know, you can go ahead and eat it. It has no meaning whatsoever at all. And so here's the principle. There are some things that have pagan origin that we would never do. Sunday, as a day of worship, has a pagan origin. And we would never worship on Sunday, not necessarily because it just has a pagan origin, but because it goes against the commandments of God. The question is, does Christmas go against the commandments of God? No, Christmas is that time of year when the whole world is thinking about Jesus Christ. They're not thinking about paganism. They're focused on Jesus Christ. It's the one time of year you can go into the supermarket and hear a song being played over the loudspeakers. That's about Jesus Christ. It's the one time of year you can talk to people about Jesus that you can't do at other times of the year because that's what you're supposed to do at Christmas time. Okay, so how should we respond to Christmas as Christians then? And it's a little bit like, you know, we uh, once had an office when I was running a ministry and we hired an old church and it had a cross on the outside. And some people were like, oh, you can't have that cross on it. And I was like, well, if I pull that cross down, what message is that going to send to the community? It's going to send the message that non-Christians have moved in. I'm not going to send that message. No way. And it's the same thing with Christmas. If we, you know, if we refuse to have anything to do with Christmas, what message is that sending to the 
community. We need to send a message to the community that Christ is the center of our faith. And we need to make every opportunity to present Christ that we can. And we've been presented with an opportunity here that only ever comes once a year. And we need to, it would be morally irresponsible not to make the best use of that opportunity to share Jesus with the world and to share a very different view of Christmas than the commercialized rubbish that is pushed on us by the retail market. Um, what has been, Christmas has been turned into an obscene festival that is all about self. We need to reclaim Christmas for Jesus Christ. Take this opportunity. Use this opportunity. Get together with your family and share Christ with your family this Christmas. We have had a caller come through, Lyle, and they said they want you to check Jeremiah chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. Might not. Okay, so I've got some extra time on the screen. All right, Jeremiah chapter 10. Let's flick over there very quickly. I think Jeremiah- it's interesting to note when it comes to these uh, symbols, you know, like you just said, you know, the cross has pagan origins, but it's become a deeply Christian symbol. In the same way, like, the it goes the other way. Like, you know, we have the rainbow, which God gave to Noah as a sign, and yet today it's kind of sadly evolved to be a symbol of the yeah, homosexual community. Absolutely. So symbols change, you know, many all the time. Hear you the word of the Lord, hear you the word which the Lord speaks to you, O house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, learn not the way of the heathen, and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the heathen are dismayed at them. And I totally stand by this passage right here. I will support every passage of scripture. This is no longer a heathen practice. Its heathenism has, is for millennia has disappeared. This is a time when people are focused on Jesus Christ. The average person out there on the street only thinks of this as either a time of ridiculous commercialism or as a time of remembering the birth of Jesus Christ. And if we can take something that once belonged to the devil and uh, like such, for instance, as the cross where Jesus himself took that cross and on that cross he proclaimed victory over Satan on Satan's most powerful symbol, the most powerful pagan symbol that he had, then we need to be presenting Christ today at Christmas time. Thank you so much, Lyle. If you Happy have to look at any other verses that you want to send through, um, and we can look at them through a question of the day all week if you like. If you have a question, give us a call. 1-800-FAITH-FM is our number. It's 1-800-324-843. If you'd like to text your questions, you can do that as well. Uh, even while Lyle is answering a question, you want to add something to it or get him to double-check a verse for you, not a problem. Text 0491-064-669. You can also send your questions through any of our social media platforms. We have Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Comment anywhere, we'll find it. We'll answer it live on air for question of the day. Did you know that God loves you? Yes, He does. Oh, yes, He does. Thank you. 
that was Carly Fletcher with Yes He Is here on Faith FM and we are about to give something away. But before we give something away, let me remind you that if you are struggling with your signal here on Faith FM, that the best way to listen to Faith FM is via faithfm.com.au on your phone or your device, whatever it might be, and running it through your car stereo in whichever way you would like to. Um, so, yeah, you're doing it wrong if you are driving away from the signal and it disappears or gets confused with another signal. But, Mon, what is it that we are giving away for the gift today? Uh, I really want to give away something Christmas, but I didn't have anything Christmassy. So, I'm giving away a book by Ed Dickerson called For Such a Time. And it's, uh, it's a story about chosen women of the Bible. Oh, cool. Yeah, so it's really great. Uh, so it goes over 15 remarkable women and it examines how the biblical authors intentionally shaped them, you know, the stories, the narratives to show how their actions and outcomes parallel those of 15 well-known heroes. So these are not ordinary women. Uh, they're not perfect women. They didn't fit the image of some perfect little, you know. They are extraordinary are, women. Yeah, very extraordinary women. And, uh, and it tells their stories and it, and it does a Bible study on each of them. So this is a really great book. Uh, if you'd like to get a copy, we have one copy here for you. Uh, just give us a call, 1-800- Faith FM be the first person through now 1-800-324-843 you can get a copy of this book this book although not Christmassy would make a great Christmas present especially oh, if I you have so. any I, I, women I, in, in your fact, life mothers, daughters sisters, aunts I'm dead keen to read this book myself <laughs> Lyle's just grabbed it, and hopefully we can still give it away. (laughs) I'm sure Lyle will relinquish it at the end of the show. But yeah, give us a call now if you would like to snap up a copy um, of this wonderful book for such a time as this. Uh, Also, if you would like to donate to our Africa um, trip, 1-800-FAITH-FM is still the same number, kenyahealth.org. And if you'd like to go to the Let Us Adore Him Christmas celebration, you can call us here for more details, but it is on the 22nd of December at 72 uh, Brunswick Street in Maitland at the SDA Church there. And don't forget, you want to know more about the Bible? What do you do, Mon? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you just got to sit there and wish and hope. Nah. <laughs> you can tune we will in. not leave you without No, you help. can tune into Faith FM. We do Bible study every day on here. But if you want to know more and you want to deepen your, your experience and your walk and your knowledge, definitely jump on, to, um, uh, on the phone. Give us a call. Uh, We can direct you to many different kinds of Bible studies, ones covering anything from relationships to finance to prophecy to health. Um, Lyle has his one, The Prophetic Code, which is a really great series that you can do. Um, You can do them in a small group study or you can do them online or you can do them one-on-one. We can set that up for you. We love connecting people with the Bible. Uh, Give us a call here if you want more information on that. The number again, of course, you know it off by heart, 1-800-FAITH-FM. And we'll be back tomorrow morning after the 7 o'clock news. My child put on this pure white robe Your filthy rags I'll take from you, my child Put on this golden crown And follow me to the golden gates Your price is paid, your place is made
Messi.